And we are finally recording, peeps. Welcome to another podcast. This is Kenny Molotov, and you are currently listening to Chronicles of a Plumber. Bring in the bass. There it is. Fancy, fancy, fancy. Exciting stuff happening today. I'm really happy to be here with you guys right now. And let the music cut out. This is Kenny Molotov. This is Chronicles of a Plumber. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, peeps. My name is Kenny Molotov. If I haven't said already three times, I am a plumbing YouTuber. I am also a professional magician. I also do a little bit of music and all sorts of fancy stuff like that. And this here is my weekly podcast. So let's get straight into it, shall we? Um, If we go on to uh, the internet right now... I just want to let you guys know this is the video version of the podcast. If you just wanted an audio version of the podcast, we have it on a few different platforms. You can get it on Anchor, which is what you're seeing right here. You have Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, and you could also find it on iTunes as well. And on iTunes, you could also find my first song that I have officially there called Note to Self. It is a trap song that uh, I produced a little while back. I have it on YouTube as well. If you go down into the description below, you can find my music channel and also my magic channel there if you wanted to see any other things that I did myself. And aside from that, let's get into the topic of the week, which is plumbing, man. So uh, let's jump into the channel. Let's talk about it right away. Currently sitting at 1,709 subscribers. As of last week, we hit 1,700 subscribers. So peeps, I got to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate all your support and all your love and you guys checking out the videos constantly and you uh, even chiming in and let me know what you guys think, how everything's going with you guys and everything like that. I really appreciate that. It makes this process so much easier and so much better because having a community around is always great. It's always great to bounce ideas off of each other and talk about plumbing related issues. Um, And I got to say, I did upload a video as of yesterday. Today, by the way, is Sunday, and I'll give you the full date right here. Hold on. Drop my phone, man. Today is Sunday, June 24th. Uh, Yesterday, Saturday, June 23rd, I uploaded a video called Asbestos Cement Transite Pipe. And today's podcast, by the way, peeps, is going to be on um, harmful materials that we can encounter on the job site, essentially. And I did that because uh, that's what essentially occurred with the video that I uploaded this week. It was about asbestos cement and transite pipe. And uh, I do have a disclaimer at the beginning of the video, which basically was me telling you guys that I don't think Dad and I handled the material as best as we could and should have um and that i'm also uh planning on taking a course right now i'm signing up for a course about asbestos just so that i can be uh informed so that next time we ever have to deal with asbestos pipe which is more common than uh we more common than you probably know if you're new to this um so that i can handle it better and dad and i can handle it better and make sure that we're safe because in doing all the research to the video that I uploaded about asbestos cement, I came to realize just how devastating of a material it is. Asbestos, when it becomes airborne, when it becomes, when the fibers uh, become airborne and they're inhaled, can have 
devastating effects on the human body. And it's not something that I take lightly. And when I found this all out and I and I sort of started watching what the industry standard was for people handling asbestos cement, I, I came to realize that, you know, we fell short. And uh, for our own safety and for the safety of the viewers, I had to put the disclaimer to say, look, this isn't where it should be. Um, I don't want you guys to take this as the correct practice. There were things that were doing that were correct, but there was more that needed to be done. And if it, and uh, you basically have to make sure that you're doing those things to make sure you're safe. Okay, so what I'm going to do, my promise to myself and my father and also my promise to you guys as a community is I'm going to take this course. I'm going to find out as much as I can so that the next time I do do a video about asbestos cement that I am on top of it that you can actually find out from the video what exactly that I learned that you have to be doing to make sure that you're safe with the material because it is really, really really scary stuff. So if you haven't already seen the video, go ahead and take a look at it. It's this one right here on the bottom left. Um, really important stuff, really important stuff. And uh, I do show you a day of what it looks like to get that pipe out and whatnot, and then replace it with, uh, we put in cast iron. And just to go on a small little tangent then, right there. Uh, I wanted to let you guys know, I, I told you in the last podcast that Bibby had reached out to me. Bibby is a manufacturer of cast iron and they had seen a video of mine and actually reached out and said, hey, we, we love the video. We're glad you're using the product. And I, and I didn't even realize in the video that it was Bibby, but it was Bibby's product. And they said, hey, let, let us send you some merchandise. And I actually have a bag right here, my friends, from Bibby. And I haven't opened it as of yet. And I wanted to do it on camera so you guys can see what exactly Bibby had sent me. So without further ado, let's get this going. Oh, there's a couple of things in here. Oh, this is nice. This is like a, uh, it's a nice shirt. Oh, snap. Take a look. On tour, men's large. Oh, this is like a golf shirt, peeps. Take a look. It's not bad, eh? All right, thank you, Bibby. What else we got in here? It's exciting. Oh, we got another one. Oh, sweet, dude. This is awesome. Okay, let, let me get this out of the bag. And we have another one from Bibby as well. And it's another golf shirt. Oh, these are nice, man. These are nice, and they got that uh, got that smooth feel and, and whatnot and anything else in the bag. So... No, I think that's it, man. So, Bibby. Oh, oh, and we got the emblem on the side right here. Take a look. Take a look. Bibby St. Croix. Let me get that zoom in on it right there. Yeah, baby. That's it. That's it. All right, back to my face. Okay, cool. All right, Bibby, if you are watching this, I got the shirts. I really appreciate that. That's so awesome and so cool. I guess one's for me, one's for Dad. So uh, I'm definitely going to be wearing these in the summertime, which is right here, right now. Exciting, exciting stuff. So... Just want to let you guys know that Bibby did end up uh, keeping their promise and sending me some merchandise, which is super cool. So, Bibby, thank you for that once again. So, that was the video that I had posted just yesterday. Take a look at it. Um, asbestos is actually more common than we expect it to be. Uh, it's in a ton of buildings right now. And I think what's scary is that asbestos was put in everything at one point in history, from plaster to shingles to cement pipe to, man, they, they found 
uh, ways to implement it into everything because it was cheap on labor or cheap on cost, but at the same time, it had a really good uh, fire rating. Uh, so it does, asbestos doesn't burn, from what I understand, and and it's all basically talked about in the video but because of that feature as well it also held up to code so it also made a lot of sense to be putting it everywhere and it wasn't until they realized what the devastating effects were on the body that they started saying man we we really shouldn't be using this thing anymore so companies like bibby that create cast iron that's the typical material we put in buildings now when you put in big stacks, for example, they're not asbestos, they are cast iron. And cast iron has a lot of the exact same features, which means that it doesn't pr produce fumes when, when it burns. Um, it, uh, it, it also has a really thick wall thickness, which allows the sound to pass through it really quietly. So when water's trickling through, you're not going to hear it. it. It's like the, the quiet pipe. And also, um, it's got a long life expectancy. Both uh, cast iron and asbestos cement have a life expectancy of something crazy like 50 to 70 years. So it's really, really great stuff. And, and that's why Bibby St. Croix is... Uh, to plug them one last time, they're they're doing the right thing. They're uh, they're keeping uh, people safe, and they also got a really solid product. So, baby, thanks again for everything. Um, so let's jump into the week. I'm going to tell you guys about my week, and then later on, we're going to start reading in on some of the most dangerous materials that are being used in construction. That way, we can uh, figure it out ourselves learn what the things are that we have to avoid as construction workers, plumbers, or whatnot, whoever's watching this. And that way we're sort of informed, right? So that we can react to it when we need to. So if we know something's toxic in our area, we can take the proper steps in order to protect ourselves. That's the basic theme of what today's podcast is going to be about. Um, something really important to me and to us, I think, as as humans, right? Because we want we want to to have a long, fruitful life. I don't know if fruitful is the right word there, but we want to have long lives and we want to make sure that we're keeping ourselves safe. So let's pop into Instagram right now. By the way, peeps, I'm on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook and I'm also on YouTube. So if you want to check me out to all those things, if you want to subscribe to all those things, you can keep up to date as to what's going on in my life. And uh, I'm going to start off by talking about this picture right here. This is the exact job site that dad and I were at when we were taking out the transite pipe. And this, my friends, is transite pipe. This is called asbestos cement. They found that it, if you threw asbestos into cement when the mixing process was taking place, not only did it uh, make make the cement fire resistant, but it also strengthened the bond of the cement and made it a stronger cement. That's at least what I read. By the way, all the links are going to be down below in regards to all the um, different websites we go to today to read up on all these things. And this is the pipe that we took out. Now, the safety precautions Dad and I did take was we did wear asbestos respirators. There's even a, a, a section in the vlog where we go out to buy them. And we also did wet the pipe when making incisions to the pipe, when making cuts. And the reason why you do that is to because... Uh, asbestos is most harmful to us as humans when it is airborne and it only becomes airborne when it's powderized. So asbestos has a habit of 
having microscopic fibers come into the air when it's broken, uh, especially in this manifestation of a, of a cement pipe. So the fibers get up into the air and you inhale them. And the thing is, is it goes deep down into your lungs, deep down, and it stays there and it never deteriorates. It stays there for the rest of your life. And because of that, uh, what ends up happening over time is these tiny microscopic um, fibers that get into you create uh, scar tissue. And that's one form of the disease that, that can occur. And I think that's called um, asbestosis, when the, the scar tissue basically becomes so much, it makes it hard for you to breathe later, later in life. So that's something to keep in mind. Those were the things that we did well. I think we also should dispose of the pipes immediately. That's one thing that uh, I think we didn't do well. And we probably should have wet the pipe a bit more. We did wet the pipe, but we should have made it uh, more saturated with water when the incisions took place. And also we should have been wearing disposable clothing, uh, disposable suits. They're sort of these white plastic suits that you just take off and you throw it afterwards. Um, but on top of that, I'm going to take the course like I was telling you to find out what else we could have been done to make sure it was safe for us. Um, so those were the steps in the right direction, but those are the, the um, critiques that I'm giving myself from all the other things that I saw online when I was doing the research. So this is asbestos cement, what you're looking at here. Asbestos cement, as of right now, is not being manufactured, or sorry, it's not being imported or exported in Canada, and I don't think it's being manufactured anymore. You find this all out in the video uh, in the last vlog, so check that out. Uh, but one thing I wanted to talk about very briefly is this picture right here. I took this picture because it's really important to the way sound works when water goes through a pipe. So if you look at the asbestos cement and you look at the cast iron, you're going to see a big difference right here in the wall thickness of these two pipes. And wall thickness is everything when it comes down to making, uh, uh, making water quiet. And that's why a lot of people opted for thick pipes like this, because when you have storm water coming in and it's in an ABS pipe, for example, or a plastic pipe, it's really loud. Every time you flush a toilet in a house that has ABS, if it's not insulated well, you are going to hear it, my friends. And that's why they opt for these sorts of pipes, uh, because these pipes really dampen the sound quite a bit. And that's why when you go into new new builds, new high-rise building buildings, <laughs> when you go into new high-rise buildings, uh, you're going to see a ton of cast iron being used in there because it, it makes the sound so much quieter and there are tons of tenants in there and it's it's just beneficial to everybody when you have cast iron the downside of it is that cast iron is a little bit more expensive so that's why in new homes you don't typically see cast iron anymore you see more abs plastic pipe but i do know some people like my plumbing teacher was saying that when he had built his home, uh, he decided to go with cast iron just so that everything's super quiet. So that's something to keep in mind. The wall thickness of the uh, transite pipe here is way thicker than the cast iron. And I would be interested to know what the difference in sound is between these two pipes, but I obviously am not going to do any field tests with any asbestos anymore since uh, this whole thing happened. So that is what sparked the conversation of asbestos, and that's what the video is all about, and that's this is the picture I uploaded on Monday. 
just so that I could show people what the, the vlog is going to be about basically this week. But let's talk about this because this was Tuesday and Wednesday for me. On Tuesday and Wednesday, we went to that job site I was telling you guys in the last podcast, which was the one where the storm drain basically backed up and and almost like two inches came into this huge warehouse that we're working in. So we officially were given the go-ahead to check out what's going on with these storm drains because essentially what's occurring is these storm drains are not draining the way they are intended to uh, because if there's enough volume of water coming down into them, uh, the factory starts seeping up with water and that is through the cement of the factory which is crazy and you got to imagine if it's almost like a football field long or wide I should say um, that's a lot of water to be in there two inches worth and this all came about when um, there was a uh, was it was an ice storm a few weeks back well a few months back right now um, and that ice storm sort of sort of it, it, it was the first sign of, of what was going on with these storm drains. So we went into this place basically and we were given the go ahead to figure out what's going on with these drains. Now we had uh, had to bring in the triple threat as I like to call it, we have a camera drain inspector right here. This is the snake. This is the K1500. That's what we use to, to unclogged drains that are three inches and up. And then this here, my friends, is a power washer. A lot of the people on YouTube call it a jetter and same on um, Instagram. They call it a power jetter. Uh, what is it? Jetter for so, yeah. Um, we have always called it a power washer, but it's essentially the same thing. What this thing is designed to do is you send this hose into it and it sprays water along the walls and it's intended to basically clean the pipe, to basically um, scrape the walls with this really powerful um, sort of jet of water. Um, and it's really good. It, its manifestation is really good for um, like greasy uh, greasy pipes. So if you ever have um, like a restaurant that has an issue with uh, constantly clogging because they have so much grease in the pipes, this is perfect for that. And also for, we do a lot of high rise buildings with this as well. We have to make sure that the stacks are clean every three or four years or four or five years to make sure that the maintenance is up to standard because it's cheaper in the long run rather than you having a massive backup on the first bottom two or three floors of that place where a bunch of units all of a sudden get get covered in sludge and stuff. So that's been the typical use of this thing in, in our career and my dad's and I uh, line of work, which is service work. So essentially the client asked us to come in and we had suggested this to them because when we had thrown in the drain camera last week or the week before, we saw that uh, the water had finally escaped. We've done this a couple of times, by the way, for this client, for this exact drain. We realized that the water got out. We saw big rocks basically down inside the drain. And we don't know if that's coming from the seal or the roof, uh, because there are typically rocks on the roof, or is the pipe collapsed and there are rocks now inside the pipe. So we couldn't figure out what was going on, but we knew that the water eventually escaped. Uh, but the previous time before that, we had thrown the camera in the drain and we realized there was water in that drain, even though that there was no storm water for a couple of days. So it just basically told us that this drain isn't working the way it's intended to. So 
This week, he told us to come back in, and we had suggested maybe trying to power wash it because if it is just rocks inside this, potentially, it's not a it's not a hundred percent fire or or surefire, but potentially we might be able to actually move this these rocks along the way and maybe finally get them to drain into the sewer system. So we went in this week. We threw in the. We threw in the the power washer. We attempted to do that, but I have to be honest, it didn't do anything. We threw it in. We brought it out. Then we snaked it. We threw it in. We brought it out, and then we camered it, and the camera basically said, (laughs) it's not going anywhere. So it is our opinion right now is that there's probably a collapse somewhere, and um, I took a little while to figure out with this camera inspection, where it exactly was. I am not the best uh, camera locator, by the way. It took me a long while to finally figure out what the heck this locator is supposed to do. I Not what it's supposed to do, but how to make it work, essentially. So it took me a little while to figure out. But the strongest signal I got, I finally marked an X. And we're going to get a second opinion on that, basically, later on this week or next week. Um, because we essentially have to open up these floors uh, and uh, get a get a professional company to come in to actually uh, put a couple of incisions into this cement and actually dig for us and, and get to the pipe because whatever's there, it ain't going anywhere. It's staying right there. So um, it was worth it to figure that out. I think it was worth it to try power washing it to see if it would work because it is the cheapest solution but now because we have uh to cut everything open we got to get permits we got to get um a couple of different companies in to to help us um to get this job done essentially and that what was with that was monday or tuesday for us basically so as we continue on i also got to tell you um this customer had about six toilets that he needed us to change. It was seven, actually, seven toilets for us to change. And that's what next week's vlog is going to be about. I, I took the camera, and I basically recorded everything that I could, and I replaced six toilets. And uh, it was a mission, man. It was a couple of days' worth of work. The first day, we spent the majority of the time power washing and trying to get the drain clear. And then realizing that we couldn't. So then we started installing one or two toilets. And the following day, we ended up doing the rest of them, basically. And that was what Wednesday and Thursday was. And then Friday, I had off. And I spent the majority of the day creating the vlog or at least editing it. Uh, So that was my week. And what I want to do now, uh, by the way, this is the picture to the vlog. Um, what I want to do now is get into the conversation that I was uh, telling you guys about. I want to talk about uh, the most dangerous uh, materials that we typically use as uh, construction workers. And I, I got a couple of websites that I found. And we're going to go from general to very plumbing specific a little bit later because I do want to talk about specific pipes that I've heard in the past are toxic. And I also want to talk about um, another material. We're going to get to it. Don't you worry. Okay. So uh, I started looking up, I started Googling basically what um, what building materials are dangerous for, for uh, construction workers. And I got a couple of websites and here they are. Okay. Uh, this is veritasconsulting.co.uk, so it's a UK company. Avoid these dangerous building materials. Like it or not, in construction, we've got to deal with hazardous materials daily. Every building in the world 
has them buried somewhere within. A bunch of these materials are natural and some aren't, and most weren't even known to be dangerous until recent years or decades. Uh, so we can at least be grateful we've got the knowledge to protect ourselves, which our father's generation didn't have. Okay, that's true. I think that's how asbestos was sort of figured out. Um, from irritant to deadly. If you're unaware, you're in danger. And if you know what's risky and how to deal with it, you'll be okay. The nine most hazardous materials listed below range in health risks from irritants to potentially toxic or carcinogenic after years of exposure with some toxic, even deadly in the short run. Some are absorbed through the skin, inhaled or ingested. Fortunately, all of them are safe during normal use of the building. It takes construction work or a fire to release them. Which ones are you aware of and which ones could you learn about? Lead. Lead is a conversation we're going to have about. Uh, lead is a, is something we're going to have a conversation about because lead uh, is something that we deal with specifically as plumbers. In plumbing, you have two types of solder that you use. You use 50-50, which is 50% lead, 50% zinc, I think. And the other one is lead-free, which is, uh, I think, is pure zinc. Just uh, Or it's got a couple of different um, ions in it. <laughs> I'm just pulling words out of the sky. Um it's not lead. That That's what I should say. There's no such thing as non-toxic lead, and it can lead to damage to your nervous systems, kidney, and the organs. You'll find lead in paint, in roofing, flashings, and fasteners, in plumbing pipes, connectors, and solder. Fortunately, it has been declined in use, and these days is mostly found in public buildings more than 40 years old. One thing I got to say is that when you were talking about the potable water system, you are by code not allowed to be using lead solder in potable water systems because that water is going to be ingested by humans. However, the drainage system, in when you're soldering copper, you are still allowed to use lead, and that's typically where we typically use 50-50. Asbestos. This nasty customer, I'm sure you well know, know well, con contact with asbestos leads to chronic obstructed pulmonary uh, pulmonary disease, and even cancer, and you'll find it in most buildings built before we realized how dangerous it was in the 80s. As crazy as it sounds, some imported materials still contain it today, and you can find it all over the shop, in plaster, insulations, boilers, vinyl floor tile, glazing compound, pipe covers, caulking compounds, roofing materials, drywall boards and taping compounds, flooring, many adhesives, fireproofing insulation, and exterior siding materials. So like I was telling you guys before, asbestos can be found in anything. I think it's just I think it's just a material that was easy to implement anywhere. Um, and like I said, it had a lot of benefits until we found out how toxic or how bad it was for the human body. Silica. This is a really interesting one. Um, and the, I'll, I'll tell you why. Well, let's read up about it quickly. Like asbestos, silica is a respiratory irritant that can also cause COPD. It usually takes more exposure over time to have its more serious effects, but it's something to be taken very seriously. It's a natural substance found in all kinds of stone and is released by drilling, sanding, demolition, etc. In buildings, you'll get silica in any stone or to a lesser extent earth and brick, concrete, ceramic tile, and even sand. For a step-by-step -step guide to silica and how to protect yourself, go here. Um, I want to do a quick little Google search because uh, asbestos cement. Because what's interesting is when you go on to this asbestos cement uh, Wikipedia page, um, 
what's interesting is that asbestos cement had asbestos in it, and they decided to start making forms of asbestos cement where it was safer without any asbestos. And then what they instead, they were implementing silica. So let's uh, let's read up on it. Uh, then uh, It was transite pipe that I looked up for the video. Hold on. So check this out. Transite pipe for Wikipedia. The transite that is produced today is made without asbestos. Transite HT and Transite 1000 are currently available, uh, available fiber cement boards that contain no asbestos. Instead, they contain crystalline silica, which the International Agency of Research on Cancer has classified as being carcinogenic to humans. So what's interesting is that, yeah, they, they took it a step in the right direction, but this silica stuff also is carcinogenic to humans. So it's really, really, it's really bizarre how that ended up happening. But um, that's something to keep in mind that transite pipe even to this day has, or transite materials still have um, really bad effects on the body. And I don't know much about silica. I got to be honest. I don't know how it exactly i don't know if it also has to be airborne for us to be um i guess it's sort of talked about it it's a natural substance found in all kinds of stone and is released by drilling so it must be airborne it must be powdered in order i guess to to be harmful to us the exact same way that asbestos is harmful to us um so let's keep going polychlorinated biphenyls now we're moving on to the more obscure of our common hazards uh, polychlorinated biphenyls are synthetic organic chemical compounds which were commonly used before the 90s in electrical equipment like transformers, light fixtures, ballasts, and more. They are toxins which can accumulate over time and cause damage and disease to your skin, liver, and other organs. Again, we know we now know the danger, but equipment using PCBs are still f around today. Look out uh, for part two of the most dangerous common building materials next week, and we'll be able to give you a short, concise guide to staying safe from each one. Uh, is there a second one? Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I don't see it. So I guess that's three of the nine. Uh, is there uh All right, I don't see a second one then. All right, that's that's a few. That's that's a good start. Uh, here's another website: National Center for Healthy Housing. Potential chemicals found in building materials. Potential chemicals found in building materials: asbestos, chromated carp copper arsenic, huh, in pressure-treated wood, formaldehyde, uh, perfluorinated compounds including PFOA, phthalates polybrominated diphenyl ethers, short-chain chlorinated paraffins, additional sources. Okay, so this also has asbestos right at the top, and that might be because it is in alphabetical order, but let's keep going. Asbestos fibers are strong, heat-resistant, chemical-resistant, and useful in providing heat insulation. Therefore, their most common uses include flooring and ceiling tiles, plaster, insulation, adhesives, etc. Asbestos is a known carcinogen, and inhalation of asbestos fiber is known to cause respiratory problems and lung diseases such as asbestosis, mesothelioma, or lung cancer. All three of these diseases experience delayed development, and the disease may not manifest for 10 to 40 years after the initial asbestos exposure this is sort of the stuff that kind of terrified me 
when I was reading it, which is what led me to understand that dad and I should have been uh, protecting ourselves even more. When I read that, I, I realized, man, there's no going back. There's no way to sort of clear out your lungs when you're dealing with this sort of stuff. It literally is that because you're subjected to that material, that that's it sort of thing. So the only way to really make sure nothing bad happens in this sort of way is by making sure you're safe and by wearing the right respirators, by uh, basically just not subjecting yourself to this, these sorts of materials. They're not, they're foreign to the body and they don't work well when they get inside. So when I heard about this latency period, you know, I think in the back of my head and I'm sure in other people's heads, we're thinking to ourselves, oh man, we'll know if something's wrong. No, man, you won't know till 40 years from now. That's, that's trippy as hell. So anyways, that's something to keep in mind. Asbestos that is intact, undisturbed, and overall good condition does not necessarily pose a problem to human health. Deteriorating and damaged released fibers into the air. A professional is needed to remove or repair asbestos containing material that are damaged or will be disturbed during a home improvement pro- project. Um, yeah. So in other words, asbestos cement, for example, the transite pipe that we were removing, it is not a problem if it's just sitting there and it's connected and nobody's disturbing it. It's only when we start actually cutting into it that it becomes a problem. And even worse, if you start drilling into it and cutting it with some sort of um, like a grinder or anything like that, the more powderized you create these things, the more airborne the asbestos becomes. And that's when it becomes the most harmful. So, So in other words, if you had asbestos pipe in your building, you might not have any health effects because it might be in good condition and whatnot. It's only when it starts deteriorating that it starts becoming a problem or when you start taking it out that it starts becoming a problem. So that's one thing to keep in mind that uh, it's not the worst thing in the world for you, but there are circumstances where it can get worse. And that's why, in my opinion, why, why make that risk? Why, why put that risk there? Let's just take the damn thing out of the, the equation altogether. So chromated copper arsenic in a pressure-treated wood. Chromatic copper arsenic is a pesticide preservative used to prevent rotting in lumber designed for outdoor use. CCA contains arsenic, chromium, and copper and is widely used for residential purposes in the United States from the 70s until EPA faced it out in 2003. So that's a good 30 30 years, man. Uh, CCA treated wood can be found virtually anywhere outdoor lumber is being utilized, such as play sets, decks, and picnic cabinets. Oh, okay. Um, That's everywhere. Uh, CCA treated wood can be hazardous to human health because arsenic is a known carcinogen. Exposure to arsenic can cause cancer for the lung, bladder, skin, kidney, prostate, and nasal passage. Arsenic exposure can also lead to nerve damage, dizziness, and numbness. Arsenic can leach to the surface of treated wood, becoming accessible for absorption through exposed hands and skin touching the wood surface. Holy crap, and especially in the case of children, ingestion through normal hand-to-mouth behavior. Arsenic can also lead into the ground surroundings and location of the treated wood. I think what's most depressing about this stuff is just how abundant uh, these things are in real life and, and, and how close we were to it as humans. I find it really depressing that extensive research isn't done all the time 
uh, to figure out if things are corrosive to us as humans, but even corrosive to the environment, you know, like you hear about stories about how uh, fishermen used to use this technique where they throw a, a net down and this net would basically scrape the bottom of the ocean at that point and it would pick up anything that was there. And it was great for fishing, but it would destroy coral reefs basically. And it would take centuries for these reefs to get back to their original state. I, I feel like, I feel like, like there's a loophole going on here and, and we're not being as uh, responsible as we should be as as humans. You know what I'm saying? And I think we're getting better. I don't think we're always going to be like this. Knock on wood. I hope we aren't at least. Um, it just depresses me, man. There's just like we could have just not used this crap. You know what I mean? And started harming ourselves with it. Anyways, formaldehyde is used widely to manufacture building materials and numerous household products it is also a byproduct of combustion and certain other natural processes thus it may be present in substantial concentrations both indoors and outdoors in homes uh oh it's a byproduct of combustion so it needs to be burned in homes the most significant source of formaldehyde are likely to be pressure woods products made using adhesives that contain urea formaldehyde uf resins Pressed wood products made for indoor use include particle board, hardwood plywood paneling, and medium-density fiberboard, which contains a high resin-to-wood ratio than any other UF pressure wood product and is generally recognized as being the highest, the highest formaldehyde-emitting pressed wood product. Formaldehyde is also used to add permanent press qualities to clothing and draperies as a component of glues and adhesives and as a preservative in some paints and coating products. Formaldehyde, a colorless, pungent smelling gas, is known respiratory irritant and carcinogen. It can cause watery eyes, burning sensation in the eyes and throats, nausea, and difficulty in breathing in some humans exposed at le elevated levels. So I, you have to burn this. It's a byproduct of combustion and certain other natural processes. I, I don't know why they don't tell us what these natural processes are. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Let's keep going on this uh, really happy tangent. Yes. Perfluorinated compounds, including PFOAs. Perfluorinated compounds are a family of fluorine-containing chemicals with unique properties to make materials stain and stick-resistant. Huh. PFCs are used in a wide array of consumer products and food packaging. Oh, fuck. Oh, pardon my language. Uh, such as microwave popcorn bags, pizza boxes, and cleaning and personal care products like shampoo, dental floss, and denture cleaners. Even Gore-Tex clothing contains PFCs. Although these chemicals have been used since the 50s in countless products, they've been subject to little government testing. What? There are many forms of PFCs, but two most notorious are PFOAs or porfluorocat. <laughs> this is why I didn't go into science. When we had to uh, sit down and write out the nomenclature of, of what the uh, compounds were, I was losing my mind, peeps. I was like, what is this word? Holy crap. PFOA. Or perfluoroctanoic acid used to make Teflon products. Teflon is Teflon. I know of Teflon tape. Uh, is Teflon also what they use for um, bulletproof vests? 
Let's let's take a look. What is Teflon? Show me. Uh, oh no. Is Teflon cancerous? Uh, Teflon is a registered trademark of Kimura's company. It's a range of fluoropolymers best known as Teflon may also refer to Teflon, a nickname given to persons whom criticism does not seem to stick. Huh? Uh, what is Teflon tape? Let's just look at tape. I know what Teflon. What's Teflon tape? T-tape? Oh, this is T-tape. Thread seal tape is Teflon tape. That's how I know it. Oh my goodness. That's that was a brain fart peeps. We use this all the time to seal threads. Thread seal tape, Teflon tape. Uh film tape commonly used in plumbing for sealing pipe threads. The tape is sold uh cut to specific widths and wound on a spool, making it easy to wind around pipe threads. It's also known as Genericized trademark Teflon tape. While Teflon is a fact identical to PTFE, Camars consider the usage incorrect, especially as they are no longer Teflon in tape form. Thread seal tape lubricates, allowing for a deeper seal of the threads and helps prevent threads from seizing when being unscrewed. The tape also works as a deformable filler and thread lubricant, helping to seal a joint without hardening or making it more difficult to tighten and instead making it easier to tighten. Typically, the tape is wrapped around a pipe's thread three times before it is screwed into place. It's commonly used commercially in applications including pressurized water systems, central heating systems, and air compression systems. Is that what it said? Air compression equipment. Um, hazards. Overuse or misapplication of thread tape may be a hazard. Excess application of PTFE tape can prevent mating threads from fully engaging. <laughs> I've never heard them as mating threads, but you have a male and female. Mating threads from fully engaging, reducing the shear point of the threads. Combining thread seal tape with a pipe dope compound can also overload threads. Also, internal overhangs of loose materials may constrict a joint or slough off and form a foreign body that could jam a valve seat. Therefore, use of PTFE tape as thread sealant is generally not considered appropriate in fluid power hydraulic systems. Okay, so a couple of things I definitely know. Um, overuse of thread tape. I don't know about... Uh, so there have been cases where if you put too much, it makes it a little bit difficult in order to thread the thread in. Um, I didn't know, though, combining thread seal tape with pipe dope compound can also overload threads. I got to be honest, I've, uh, uh, most of the people that I know do both those things together. They put tape and then they put dope. So that's something to keep in mind that it might not be good for it, but that's what Teflon tape is. So let's go back to the article. Uh, there are many forms of PFCs, but the two most notorious are, um, Teflon products. So let's get back to this. There are many forms of PFCs, but the two most notorious are PFOA or perfluoro tannic acid used to make Teflon products. PFOA is broadly toxic. It does not break down in the environment and has a half-life in the body of more than four years. Its half-life is four years, so it's got a full life of eight years. PFOA is a likely human carcinogen, causes liver, pancreatic, 
testicular and mammary gland tumors in laboratory animals. PL4As are breakdown products of chemicals was used until 2002 in the manufacture of 3M's treatment used as carpet, furniture, and clothing. PFOAs cause liver and thyroid cancer. What the hell? Hold on. So how does this... So this is directly related to plumbing because we use Teflon tape in the plumbing industry. That's why this is, we got to read this again. Perfluorinated compounds are a family of fluorine-containing chemicals with unique properties to make materials stain and stick resistant. PFCs are used in a wide array of consumer products and food packaging, such as microwave popcorn bags, pizzas, and cleaning and personal care products like shampoos, dental floss, and denture cleaners. Even Gore-Tex clothing contains PFCs. Although these chemicals have been used since the 1950s, they've been subject to little government testing. So now the next question is, how... Do PFCs, uh, how are PFCs, are they PFOAs or PFCs? Jeez, PFCs. How are PFCs toxic to humans? That's what we want to know. Man, I can't type for anything right now. What's going on? Speak to me. What are PFCs? Disrupt normal endocrinic activity, reduce immune function, function, uh, cause adverse effects on multiple organs, including the liver and pancreas, and cause developmental problems in rodents' offspring. So, how are, are they ingesting this? Like, do I got to make sure I don't eat it, or do I got to make sure I don't touch it? What's going on over here, peeps? This is upsetting me. At least tell me what the hell I got to do to be safe. Oh my goodness. Are not stored. Okay. They break down. Okay. No, no. Okay. Maybe it's me. PFCs are a large group of manufactured compounds that are widely used to make everyday products more resistant to stains, grease, and water. For example, PFCs may be used to keep food from sticking to cookware, to make sofas and carpet resistance to stain. Okay. We've read this. Because they help reduce friction, they're also known in a variety of other industries, including aerospace, automotive, building, and construction and electronics. PFCs break down very slowly in the environment and are often characterized as persistent. There's a widespread wildlife and human exposure to several PFCs, including perfluoroctanic acid and perfluoroctanic plural whatever sulfonate both pfoa and pfos are byproducts of other commercial products meaning they are released into the environment when other products are made used or discarded uh pfoas pfos is no longer manufactured in the united states and pfoa products have been reduced and will soon be eliminated more research is needed to fully understand all sources of human exposure but people are most likely exposed to these compounds by consuming pfc contaminated water contaminated water or food or by using products that contain pfcs <sighs> so let me get this straight Unlike many other persistent chemicals, PFCs are not stored in body fat. However, PFCs are similar to other persistent chemicals because the half-life to the other persistent chemical because the half-life or the amount of time it takes for the 50% of the chemical to leave the human body for some of these chemicals is several years. The slow elimination time makes it difficult to determine how changes in lifestyle, diet, and other exposure-related factors influence blood levels. Okay, 
So you might get this through water, but my question is, do you get that because the Teflon tape is on the MIP, for example, that is in the potable water system? Is that how it is? Or is it because these PFCs are inside uh, our food so that it doesn't stick to things? There's still a lot of questions to be answered, peeps, but it's really interesting to know. Um, Phthalates, let's keep going, okay? Enough with PFOAs. Phthalates called plasticizers are a group of industrial chemicals used to make plastics like polyvinyl chloride, PVC, which is another thing in in plumbing. More flexible or resilient, building materials are the largest end use for PVC. Major uses of flexible PVC in in buildings include carpet backing, resilient flooring, wall coverings, acoustical ceiling surfaces, upholstery textiles, roof membrane, waterproofing membrane, and electrical cord insulation. Phthalates are nearly ubiquitous in modern society and can also be found in toys, food, packaging, hoses, raincoats, shower curtains, vinyl flooring, adhesives, detergents, hairsprays, and shampoos. That's everywhere. That's everywhere, peeps. And you're telling me this isn't good for us? Certain phthalates are known or suspected endocrine disruptors, meaning they impact and alter the human hormone system. Phthalates are also suspected to be potent reproductive toxins, especially in boys. Is anybody else finding this conversation super depressing? Anybody? Oh, polybrominated diphenyl ethers are used as flame retardants in plastic building materials and are particularly widespread in polyurethane foam products, insulation, and cushions. In May 2010, the EPA released an exposure assessment for PBB, P- PBDEs, providing information on to the extent to which humans are exposed to and have a body burden of the chemicals. Key roots of human exposures are through thought to be formed from their use in household consumer products and their presence in house dust and not from dietary routes. PBDEs have been associated in animal studies with liver toxicity, thyroid toxicity, developmental and reproductive toxicity, and developmental neurotoxicity. Short-chain chlorinated paraffins, SCCPs, primary use is as lubricant and coolant in metal cutting and metal forming operations, so they may be present in life cycle or metal building products. The second most significant use is secondary plasticizer in PVC and many of the same applications as the phthalate plasticizer listed above. To a lesser extent, it is also used in other plastics, including acrylnilatribe ABS, unsaturated polyester resins, polyethylene, oh, yeah. paint, adhesive cock sealants. Although no studies have been completed on humans, SCCPs are classified as toxic to aquatic organisms and carcinogenic to rats and mice. So, um, I think the hardest part about these sorts of... Um, conversations is that you don't really know how to protect yourself. And the reason why I say that is because it seems like these sorts of compounds can be in anything and everywhere. So the question becomes, how do you even begin to uh, start eradicating these substances when they're already so ingrained in what what our everyday life is? Like if it's in flooring, if it's in, um, 
in the woods that we're installing in houses, if it's in our food, if it's in uh, materials that we use every day, like how do you begin to even like you have to really start from the ground up to in order to be able to protect yourself from this sort of stuff. Um, so I got a couple of other websites like this. I've got one more, but what I want to do now is go more specific to our industry, plumbing. And we've already touched upon a bunch of things. We've touched upon Teflon tape. We've touched upon uh, ABS and PVC. I wanted to do a little bit more of a conversation about ABS and PVC um, because there was a time a little while back, I got to tell you a story. I put up a video, one of my plumbing vlogs on Reddit, and I'll show you which which video it is. It is um, this one right over here. Where are you? Um, this one right here, ABS and PVC plastic pipe plumbing installations. And inside that video, I stated something that I've been told a couple of times, one from my father, but second, and most importantly, from my plumbing teacher at school. And what the plumbing teacher had told us was that ABS, when it is burning, the fumes that it gives off are toxic. So before the flame even gets to the floor above, there's a big potential that people will die strictly because of the smoke that comes off of these pipes. That's what I heard, okay? That's what he had told us specifically. I put this thing on Reddit, and the people on Reddit decide to chew me out for it. They basically say that I don't know what I'm talking about, that um, ABS is not as toxic as they say, blah, blah, blah. And that was a little bit mind-blowing to me because it went against everything that I understood. Now, one individual told me that it what I had said was a colloquial ex explanation of it. And instead of it being toxic, um, it's just not according to code because of its smoke factor, the amount of smoke it produces. And I really... I really don't know what to do with all that information. They might just be trolls. Uh, some of them didn't, like that gentleman I was telling you about that called it a colloquialism. I didn't take it as he, he him coming across as, um, I don't think he was intending to harm with the conversation that he was having. But I am still confused by all of that because I don't know which information is correct. There are lots of things that I'm reading online that still say, that ABS uh, plastic is toxic when it is vaporized, when it's, in, when it's a, a fume. And uh, what's interesting is, is when I did the research for this podcast right here, a lot of the ABS conversation was not about pipes. It was actually about 3D printing, which is a really interesting manifestation of the issue. Because with 3D printing, they need a material to print with. And a lot of the individuals printing are using ABS. Now, the questions they're having are, how toxic are ABS fumes? And here's an article I found from 3dprintingindustry.com. And uh, let's read it quickly. While everyone knows the unpleasant odor from ABS cannot possibly be healthy to breathe in, most of us generally do not really care. However, not only ABS, but also PLA may release toxic fumes known as VOCs, volatile organic carbon. 
Not all VOCs are actually toxic, but some may be, especially for younger users. Before this becomes a serious health issue, a new study conducted by 3dsafety.org in collaboration with Italian 3D printer manufacturer WASP or WASP has analyzed the exact quantities of toxic VOCs as well as potentially dangerous nanoparticles released during filament extrusion in order to assess the potential house risks. The new study presented by Dr. Fabrizio Merle, that is an Italian name, am I right? Uh, and Dr. Ing Stefano Mazzoni starts off from other previous research conducted in the early 90s, which demonstrated that during the fusion and processing of plastic materials, several toxic particles are released as gases including ammonia, cyanidric acid, phenyl, and bezine, among others. Okay. The lab tests show that ABS is significantly more toxic than PLA, but that the corn-based polymer is not exempt from dangerous emissions, especially if extruded at temperatures higher than 200 degrees Celsius. Furthermore, as may be expected, the same material spools, when acquired from different resellers, release very different quantities of VOCs, even if used in the same 3D printer and under the same parameters of speed and temperature. So it is. it does have toxic... Uh, elements to it. In other words, if you vaporize ABS, it can be toxic to the human body. That's the conversation that I had, and that's what I said. And in this video that I was showing you guys, I was basically saying that uh, we have regulations in plumbing, and we are told to put in specific pipes depending on their toxicity level. So let's go back to it. And and. And what I'm saying, at least according to this information right here, is still holding up that it is toxic when it is burned and that if you are upstairs on level eight and I'm on level five and there's a fire in my unit and I decide to take off and there's a bunch of ABS pipe in there, those fumes are going to reach your floor. And if there's enough ABS to go around, those fumes might kill you before, before the flames even get there. So I think that makes sense. Take it with a grain of salt, of course, peeps. This is only one article, and there are other articles saying differently, I assume. I assume you could find every opinion on the internet, but look, man, I still stand by it, and I still trust the source of my teacher and also my father because they've been in the industry quite a bit. Now, one of the arguments people were saying was, well, look, ABS is in everything. It's even in our plastic toys. Sure, but are you going to smoke your toy, bro? Huh? Sorry, I'm getting a little bit upset. Um, let's keep going. A second critical aspect, come on, uh, is that relating to the emissions of nanoparticles, that is, particles with a diameter smaller than 0.1 micron, which can be absorbed directly by the pulmonary alveolus and the epidermis. In this case, the emissions when using ABS vary from 3 to 30 times those that occur when using PLA filament. The test also demonstrates that the time necessary for the nanoparticles concentration in the air to go back to standard levels was between 10 and 30 minutes after the extrusion process stopped through a photoionization technology. The study, in brackets, which has been published uh, on 3dsafety.org and will progressively be updated with further information, was also conducted in nylon, polystyrene, PET, and other materials. 
Among the effects that the absorption of toxic VOCs and nanoparticles can cause to humans, the most common are pulmonary pathologies such as bronchitis, trachitis, asthma, and in some cases these substances can also cause certain types of cancers. So this is not something to be taken lightly. The solution, however, is not to complicate is not too complicated in collaborating with WASP is working to increase awareness as to the potential risk of toxic emissions from filaments while several practical tips can be implemented right away. So maybe they're trying to say, though, that you won't, maybe the fumes won't kill you by the time they get up to you. Maybe, maybe they'll have a long-term effect on you because cancer can't happen like that. So maybe I'm wrong in that instance, uh, but I don't know. Here's what I definitely know about our industry in plumbing. In houses here in Ontario and in Canada, you are allowed to use ABS pipe. ABS, as we've been reading right now, is quite toxic when it's burned. Now, the question becomes, why is it allowed in houses and it's not allowed in high-rise buildings? And here's the the logic that, that my teacher had given me. He had basically said the way it works is, is when you're in a house, you usually live with people that are close with you. And what will happen is, is if a fire were to start somewhere in your house, you are, it is most common for you as an individual to get everybody and get them out of there. That's usually how families work or really close people work. When you're in a building, that's not really how it works. It's everybody for themselves <laughs> typically. So if you're on a f- you're, if you're on the fifth floor in your unit 502 and a fire starts on your floor, you're gone, bro. You're not going to go up to floor eight to pick up everybody. You're gone. That's it. And that's why they employ this logic when deciding what pipes to go into high-rise buildings. And they basically say, okay, in the case that a fire starts, you're not going to go get everybody. And not only that, it's just not easy to evacuate buildings quickly. So you're that you're bound to get some sort of smoke inhalation. Um, so what's going to happen is, is what we're going to do is we're not going to put in toxic pipes. We're going to do our best to put in pipes that are non-toxic that don't don't burn toxic materials or if at least they do burn they burn super slow from what i understand and i'm going to look this up right now uh the pipe that you have to put in if it's going to be plastic drainage in a high-rise building um for residential is pvc xfr it's an xfr pipe so it's a pvc pipe but it is I'll read it to you. I think it's best that we look up what PVC XFR is. Pipe. So let's read. All right. Um, Contracting, installing, and high buildings. Uh, What is it? Is there like a Wikipedia page, bro? What is? Let's just do what is. System XFR is the world's first PVC DWV system rated for high building. Okay, fine, fine, I'll read it. It's just a lot of words. You know You know when you just get uh, deterred from words? Um, contractors installing DWV pipe in high buildings and plenums 
had few alternatives to heavy cast iron and copper. IPEX has changed that. System XFR is the world's first PVC DWV system rated for high buildings and air plenums where the National Building Code mandates more stringent flame spread and smoke development requirements which previously limited the use of thermoplastic. Suitable for use in combustible and non-combustible environments, System XFR's advanced material has a flame spread rating of 25 and smoke developed classification of 50 which permits it to be installed in high buildings and air return plenums in accordance with local codes and in addition to its flame and smoke attributes system xfr delivers all the performance advantages you'd expect from thermoplastic piping um so a couple of things flame system xfr uh possesses superior flame and smoke retardant capabilities when tested uh to the other system. System XFR achieved a flame spread rating of not greater than 25 and a smoke developed classification not greater than 50. Code compliance, ideal for non-combustible applications. System XFR meets national provincial building code requirements. High buildings as defined, air plenums as defined, non-combustible construction as defined, penetrating a rated fire separation is defined. Um, so you know what though? What's interesting is um, it doesn't talk about toxicity here. I don't think, I think it's still potentially toxic. Um, so let's ask this. Um, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's ask this. Is, is PVC XFR toxic? That's the question that we're asking. Warning of potential hazard, IPEX XFR. I don't know, Newswire. Uh, St. Croix, Quebec, April 12th. Bibby St. Croix, a Canadian-based company that manufactured cast iron pipe and fittings for the plumbing industry, has officially notified building officials and the general public about a potentially dangerous product that is being installed in buildings. IPEX, the manufacturer of system XFR piping system, claims to have a ULC listing for their system XFR plastic piping in compliance with the requisite safety standards. However, two independent test reports by prominent third-party testing facilities have a confirmed that IPEX system XFR product did not pass the ULC S102.2 10 standard. Test reports prove that smoke developed value of each system XFR specimen was greater than the accepted limit per article 31519 of the 2015 National Building Code of Canada, which sets the maximum allowance SDV at 50. One of the test results show that SDV system XFR fittings at 325, 6.5 times the allowed limit of SDV systems, seven times the allowable limit. A burning structure containing system XFR could potentially result in lethal consequences for building occupants and first responders. Nevertheless, IPEX system XFR piping systems are being installed across Canada in fire-rated buildings and in plenum spaces. If you're an authority that has a jurisdiction where uh, this product's being used, it is strongly suggested that you make a formal request to IPEX for them to prove the full and complete copy of the testing conducts with results and details of the testing methodology employed. That's really interesting, and Bibi St. Croix uh, was the one that brought this forward. That's interesting, too. Um, and you got to understand, Bibi St. Croix and companies like IPEX are in 
direct competition with one another because uh, cast iron is the biggest material that's typically used, especially when you're dealing with three inch and four inch stacks, for example. Not only is it great for uh, making sound um, quieter, but it also fits the requirements needed for the smoke and whatnot. Because look, they didn't talk about toxicity at all about system uh, fifth. Uh, system XFR. All they did was talk about how the smoke allowance was uh, up to code. Uh, where does it say that? Uh, superior flame and smoke retardant capabilities when tested uh, and achieved a flame spread rating of not greater than 25. So the reason why it's up to code is because when the flame reaches these pipes, it doesn't ignite uh, as fast as other things ignite, basically. And that's why it's useful, because it'll either stop the fire or it will slow down the fire, basically. That's in, that's what the intention is with, with these fire-proofing uh, things. You either want to kill it, kill the fire, or you want to make sure that at least it slows down the flame enough to maybe where it's where it'll eventually die on its own. So it doesn't talk about toxicity. Maybe it still burns toxic, but because it doesn't take a flame the way ABS would, it doesn't produce as much smoke. It doesn't produce as much vapor and toxic vapor. And um, that's the same with cast iron. I mean, like same exact sort of impact. So that's something to keep in mind when we're talking about um, us in in our industry specifically, uh, plumbers. And that, it's really interesting that it manifested in 3D printing as well. Now, um, ABS production may be dangerous in vapor form for workers, but while the individual ingredients aren't good for you, it's unlikely you will encounter them because ABS does not break down easily or leach anything into food, water, or soil. Uh, this is, I don't know what that is. I think that's, what, what's this about? Is ABS plastic toxic? So it's talking about leaching toxic chemicals, and that's not the conversation we're having. We're, we're talking about toxic vapors because we don't drink from ABS pipe. Um, at least we don't here in Canada. We do have PEX pipe, um, and PEX I don't think is an ABS material. What is PEX made out of? Let's read it. Almost all PEX used for pipe and tubing is made from high-density polyethylene. PEX contains cross-link bonds in the polymer structure, changing the thermoplastic to thermosets. Cross-linking is accomplished during after extrusion of the tubing. Um, so this is PEX pipe. This is what we put in for our potable water systems. Um, I know a bunch of buildings now that are made out of PEX instead of copper. Uh, it was typically copper before. Now it's PEX. Um, and, and they go back and forth. We still install copper if uh, the... Um, the customer asks us. Uh, so what a low temperature impact strength abrasion resistant and environmental stress cracking resistant can be increased significantly by cross links. Uh, whereas hardness and rigidity are somewhat reduced. PEX does not melt anymore analogous to elastomers and is thermally resistant over longer periods of up to 100 degrees. 20 degrees Celsius for short periods without electrical or mechanical loads. With increasing crosslinks density, also the maximum shear modules increase. PEX has significantly enhanced properties compared with ordinary PE. Crosslinks 
enhance the temperature properties in the base polymer. Uh, types, uh, I want to find out. Um, so it, it's a plastic, but is PEX toxic? Is PEX pipe toxic? Cross-linked polyethylene tubing is gaining ground in residential plumbing systems, but a poster wonders whether chemical leach out of the materials into drinking water. Builders have climbed on the PEX, but... Hmm... Builders have climbed on PEX bandwagon in droves. Cross-linked polyethylene tubing is increased taking the place of copper for a variety. It also adds up the juggernaut for building materials, but... I am very concerned about using PEX tubing for water supply in home, she writes. I was told that this plastic was BPA, biosphenol A free, but when I did some reading, I found out that there have been some reports of MTBEs and some VOCs, volatile organic compounds, leaching from the plastic. Oh, that's not good. So in case you didn't know, BPAs, uh, I think, are what the water bottles were accused of having and BPAs are carcinogenic, but, um, it typically doesn't have BPAs. That's at least what I've been told as well. Um, so there still might be some things that uh, we got to work on in regards to pecs. Alrighty peeps. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was something I already brought up in the podcast, which basically was lead. Like I was telling you guys before, when we solder, there are two types of le- uh, two types of um, solder that we typically use. One is 50-50, and that contains lead, and then we have lead-free. And um, lead is something that we come in contact with uh, quite a bit on the job site, and something that we got to be worried about because lead also is known for poisoning the human body. So just to read up a little bit before we end this podcast, lead poisoning is a type of metal poisoning. Caused by lead in the body, the brain is the most sensitive. Symptoms may include abdominal pain, constipation, headaches, irritability, memory problems, inability to have children, and tingling in the hands and feet. It causes almost 10% of intellectual disabilities of otherwise unknown cause and can result in behavioral problems. Some of the effects are permanent. In severe cases, anemia, seizures, coma, or death may occur. Exposure to lead can occur by contaminated air, water, dust, food, or consumer products. Children are at greater risk as they are more likely to put objects in their mouth, such as those that contain lead paint and absorb a greater portion of the lead that that they eat. Exposure at work is a common cause of lead poisoning in adults with certain occupations at particular risk. Diagnosis is typically by measurement of the blood level, blood lead level at the Center for Disease Control US has set the upper limit for blood lead for adults at 10 and I don't know what that measurement is and for children at 5. Elevated lead may also be detected by changes in red blood cells or dense lines in the bones of children as seen on an x-ray. Um, lead poisoning is preventable. This includes individual efforts such as removing lead-containing items from the home, workplace efforts such as improving ventilation and monitoring, and nationwide policies such as laws that ban lead in products such as paint and gasoline, reduce allowable levels in water or soil, and provide for cleanup of contaminated soil. <clears throat> 
The major treatment are removal of the source of lead and the use of medication that binds lead so it can be eliminated from the body. Oh, interesting. So there are therapies that you can get into. So all in all, peeps, the, the main conversation that I wanted to have was that these are things that we are constantly being subjected to, especially since we are in the building. Uh, we are in the industry of building homes, of building uh, building um buildings and, and, and stuff like that. So it's something that we got to keep in mind. It's something that we got to be safe with. Um, and it was the conversation as a, of asbestos that sort of led me to go and, you know what, let's talk about this a little bit more and let's find out what we have to be aware of basically. And, and that is basically it peeps. That was the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Check out the video if you haven't already on the asbestos thing. Uh, I appreciate your constant and ongoing support. Thank you for the 1,700 subscribers. Thank you for Bibby St. Cross sending me some uh, shirts. And I love you guys, man. My name is Kenny Molotov. I am a plumber. I'm a magician. I also do a little bit of music. And I'll see you guys very soon. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.